It's wonderful to have the chance to share with you this morning as we're continuing our sermon series that we've been going through throughout the month of October. It's called This Is Us, looking at the book of Genesis in context. If you've been with us, you know that we've been looking at the book of Genesis as our backstory, our origin story that tells us uh, where we came from, why we're here, what our purpose is. If you were here with us last week, we also talked about what our problem is. And the short word for sin, for our problem we use in the church is sin, but it has consequences that are so, so massive. And we spoke about how the very worst things that we see in the news, the worst things that uh, we read in our history books, that the power that created uh, those uh, disasters, those those tragedies, those despicable acts, that that power actually uh, lives in, 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 each, in each of us, unfortunately. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome that power of sin. I, I was walking out of church last week after uh, talking about just the depth of what we're capable of without God's help. And someone came up to me and they said, Will, have you ever seen the documentary on Netflix called Ordinary Men? I had not, so I stayed up way too late one night this week watching it. And I'm glad I did, though it's disturbing. If you're over the age of 14, I would suggest you watch it. It's about how a group of ordinary men became some of the worst war criminals in World War II, killing innocent women and children almost indiscriminately. And it happened to ordinary people who were actually Christians. And when we look at how something like that happens, what we see is we have a significant problem. Jesus didn't come to earth and have to go to the cross because we struggled slightly in life. Jesus didn't have to go to the cross because we were slackers, lollygaggers. Jesus didn't go to the cross for for that reason. He went to the cross because we have a significant issue. And when you come to grips with the depth of that issue, when I see that in myself, uh, when I study it to preach about it or see a documentary like that, I just say, oh my goodness, God, why don't you give up on us? And then we, we see why, because of who God is. And in God's refusal to give up on us. We find our hope. So today we're talking about this is our hope. How do we find hope in the midst of all that we wrestle with? And we'll be talking about this uh, as we talk about the story of Jacob today wrestling with the angel. And there's some wrestling with God that we all need to do. I don't... uh, know if you know many wrestlers. When I was in high school, some of my friends were wrestlers on the high school wrestling team, and they did some things to train for wrestling that I don't even think are legal today. Uh, not, not, not healthy. Uh, they would put plastic bags on their body. They would turn up the heat in the gym, and they would run around to try and sweat out their weight so they would make way in. Uh, they, they would bring cups to class, and they weren't chewing tobacco. They were spitting into the cups, again, to try to lose weight uh, for weigh-in. Uh, they would take members of the wrestling team and they one member would put another member on his shoulders and they would run up and down the school steps like, like that. And I, I'm not opposed to rough sports, but I talked to my friends after seeing that and I was like, why would you do this? Like, why would anyone voluntarily say, oh, I'd like to be on that team that, that does that? And my friend looked at me and he goes, Will, do you know what it's like to have a well, another well-trained human being come at you 
and you pick them up and you throw them on the ground and you hold them so that they literally cannot move? No. And he's like, well, you wouldn't understand then. You, 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 you just wouldn't get it. And some people in life don't understand why you would wrestle with God, right? And there are all these times when internally we're told, hey, don't do that. Don't, don't just, just ignore that. Don't, don't get involved in that. There are those times when we wrestle with our own sin. There are those times when you go home and you look in the mirror at night and you don't like what you see and you don't want to look anymore at yourself in the mirror and you certainly don't want to take what you see to God. You just want to go to bed and forget it ever happened. But inside, internally, you know that that day, the way you acted, that that just wasn't a one-off. That was actually a pattern. And you know there were things that you said you'd never do and you'd never become and you see yourself doing those things and you see yourself becoming those things, but you don't want to think about that. Here's the problem. If we don't wrestle that out with God, if we don't invite Jesus's grace into that, uh, then uh, if we just leave it be on its own, it'll just grow. It's like cancer. What does cancer do? Why do we call it cancer? Because it grows. What's the problem with cancer? It grows uncontrollably more than it's supposed to. That's what happens with our life. Uh, But in the cross of Christ and the grace of Jesus, God's given us the chemotherapy we need to keep that from having power uh, over us. There, there are those reasons. There, there are other reasons why, why we don't wrestle with God. Because sometimes what God says doesn't square with what we think. And we don't want to learn to think a new way uh, because uh, we're happy and comfortable with the way we think. I was coming into church this morning. And I had the radio on. And I do not listen to much political talk radio. I get most of my news from the newspaper. I know I'm a dinosaur. We still get the printed newspaper every day. And if I don't read it over breakfast, I am grumpy and grouchy. Uh, But recently, there's been such big stuff in in the news locally, internationally. I've been listening to, to a little bit more. And it was one of the, you ever hear one of those shows? They're like, we've got the Democratic line and we've got the Republican line and we've got the, the independent line. And so somebody calls in and from the beginning, the first like four words they said, I knew what they were going to say. And I knew I wasn't like going to like what they were going to say. So instead of listening to it and thinking, could they be right? Do you know what I did? I turned the station to 90s country, right? Country the way it ought to be. That's, that's, that, that, that's, that's what I, because I didn't want to deal with it, right? Sometimes God says stuff to us like, love your enemies, Sometimes God said stuff to us like, hey, you need to ask for forgiveness when, when you do wrong. Sometimes God says stuff to us like, don't act like you're living this life. to You, didn't, you weren't given this life to be served, but to serve. And we don't want to hear it. And so we, we ignore God. We, we don't wrestle with God. Friends, there are literally a million reasons to ignore God. A million. Just no good ones. There's a million of them. They're, they're just... There just aren't any good ones out there. In fact, other people will actually tell you not to wrestle with God. That they, they will tell you, you, you will have things you want to wrestle with God about that they, they will tell you not to. And uh, again, uh, the consequences aren't good. I've been, I've been told not, not to wrestle multiple times in, in my life. When, when you get angry with God, uh, when, when you say, uh, God, this shouldn't happen to these people, uh, People say, hey, God, God knows what God's doing. Don't, don't question God. When you have doubts about God, 
There are people who will tell you, don't, don't take this to God. Don't wrestle this out with God. Just take it on faith. Well, yes, have faith. I'm, I'm big on faith. I'm a faith proponent. But you need to have enough faith to wrestle it out with God when you have doubts. God's big enough to make a universe billions of light years across. You're not always going to comprehend everything about God easily with the form four pounds of gray matter in your head. You're going to have doubts and you're going to need to wrestle those out with God. And there will be times when well-meaning Christian people tell you not to wrestle. I remember being told not to wrestle when I was little. We, uh, I grew up my early years in Fountain City. And at that time, as when I was in elementary school, some of the good parents from Fountain City United Methodist and Fountain City Presbyterian got together. They said, you know what we need? We need a Cub Scout troop. So they started a Cub Scout troop. And they recruited a lot of us young boys. They said, you're going to be in the Cub Scout troop. They didn't say, do you want to be? They said, you're going to be. And you're going to do Pinewood Derby and all that. And all that was great. We'd go, we'd meet. And the first year we had a ball. We did all the stuff. We got some merit badges. And we had three men, three of the dads, and, and they led it. But they were real good with like the curriculum and the merit badge stuff. And then they weren't real good with like the free time afterwards. And so they kind of let us do what we wanted to do. And there was this green space, this grassy area outside the church, supposed to be a playground. Playground was under construction, so we just had grass. And we decided that looked like a great wrestling ring. So we went out every day, or every whatever day of the week, we went to Cub Scouts, and we'd wrestle afterwards. And it was great, and we loved it. And as you can imagine, attendance boomed. Now, I don't know what happened. It might have had to do with the church's insurance policy. But the next year when we showed up for Cub Scouts, those men were gone. And three moms came in. <laughs> and they did a lovely job with the troop. But we, get, we went outside at the end and we began wrestling. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. And I went home that day and I turned in my two-week notice. <laughs> I said, Mom, I quit. We can't wrestle. They told us not to. And it was a two-week notice because I knew what she would say. She'd say, well, you need to give it another chance. So I gave it another chance next week. I came home. I said, I'm done. We're, we're not, people will tell you not to wrestle. And sometimes for good reason. But when it comes to God, often for bad reason. And you're, this life is going to send you things that you have to wrestle out with God. That's why we encourage you every week, every day wrestle with God. Every day read your Bible. Every single day pray because you're going to need to. That's why we have our Bible reading plan at concordunited.org and a daily devotion. It's why you can pick up the reading plan and a hard copy at our information center. If you're not already doing that, do that. There are things in life we have to wrestle out with God. You're going to have things happen in life that just aren't right. You're going to see innocent people suffer. Uh, you're going to struggle because you're not able to be the person you, you think you should be. You're going to wonder what it's all about. Uh, and sometimes you're going to have success and you're going to wonder why it doesn't feel better. There are things you're going to have to wrestle out with, with God. So I want to share with you the story of the most famous wrestler in history named Jacob. Jacob came along and he was a twin. His older brother by a couple minutes was Esau. And their parents were Isaac and Rebekah. And Isaac and Rebekah are heroes of the faith, but unfortunately, some of their parenting techniques could have used some improvement. One of the things that 
became a problem for Isaac and Rebecca was they naturally, and this can happen with parents, their interests naturally gravitated to one of the same interests as one kid had or the other, and they allowed that to cause them to act as if one kid was their favorite. And so they kind of raised them as if they had favorites. Now Esau, he was a big, strong, athletic, burly guy, liked going outdoors, liked hunting. Isaac loved that. Isaac enjoyed that kind of stuff. He liked going out with Esau to hunt. He liked talking about hunting with Esau. He was proud of how big and strong Esau was. And Jacob kind of grew up thinking, uh, you know, my dad favors my brother. But Jacob, he wasn't that big. He he wasn't that strong. Very intellectual. Uh, Thought about things. Understood uh, how how things worked and and how to get what you wanted in uh, tricky situations. His mother, uh, Rebecca, loved that. She loved having philosophical conversations with him. She loved talking uh, politics with him, most most likely. And uh, he kind of grew up as her favorite. Well, Jacob had reason to be upset. And the reason was just the way society worked in the ancient world. Today, in most families, uh, when the parents pass away, the resources are distributed equally among the children unless there's some extenuating circumstance that makes that not a good idea. But that's typically how it would, would happen. Not back then. Back then, they had a policy that the oldest child got a double share. So the oldest child... Uh, gets a double share, and everybody else gets a small share. Now, sociologically, this actually had was was a pretty good thing. They were trying to keep larger tracts of land together as ranches to to some degree uh, for the economy, and uh, you know that helped with an economy of scale and producing certain things. So, so there was some sociological reason behind it. It just stunk if you weren't the oldest. Like it, it was just a raw deal. And that's what Jacob got. And Jacob, his whole life, he just ruminated uh, and became more and more resentful about this raw deal he was getting. So he decided, he said, well, I'm going to find a way to take my brother's inheritance. And one day Esau was out hunting and he'd been out for several days, had not eaten in several days, came back and he's starving. And Jacob's cooking soup. And Jacob says, hey, for a bowl of soup... All you got to do is give me your birthright. And Esau says, what's a birthright? And he takes the bowl of soup. Now, that wasn't wise of Esau, but Esau probably never thought that would actually be a binding agreement. Because you can say, oh, Esau can say, oh, I give you my birthright. But the fact of the matter is, it's not really his to give. It's Isaac's to give, right? And Jacob could go to his dad and say, well, my older brother said I could have the big piece of property, uh, but... Isaac's not necessarily going to go for that. Esau's his favorite. At the end of Isaac's life, Isaac called in Esau to receive a blessing. And this blessing in that society was not just what we might experience at a hospital bed in somebody's last days where they come in and they tell you have those conversations about how much you love each other and you kind of say goodbye. That was part of it. But it was more, it was legally binding. 
Deathbed blessings in that society were the last will and testament of those who were passing away. So Isaac has no intention of passing down the inheritance to Jacob. Isaac is going to pass it down to Esau. And Esau is called in to receive this blessing. Here's the problem. You know who finds out Esau's been called? His mother, Rebekah. And Rebekah has her favorite. And Rebekah goes to Jacob and said, hey, here's the deal. You know how Esau's all hairy and smelly? Well, you need to make yourself hairy and smelly because your father can't see anymore. And so you need to take some some animal fur and put it on your arms and you need to like not bathe for a long period of time. And I assume they didn't bathe that often anyways back then. So it, it, to, to get really smelly back then probably took some work. Well, uh, do that and then you need to go in and you need to make your voice deep and you need to pretend to be your brother Esau and get his blessing. Jacob did that and it worked like a charm. And he got the blessing. And Esau showed, showed up. And when Esau showed up, he realized what had happened. And he told Isaac that that wasn't uh, me. That was your brother. And Isaac said, I know, but the blessing's already been given. And I can't un- undo it. Well, Esau's mad. Esau's really mad. And he comes up with an idea. He says, I'm going to wait. I'm going to bide my time till my dad passes away, till we've had the funeral and the services and all of that, and then I'm going to kill my brother. And not I'm going to kill him like we say I'm going to kill you when our brother and sister eats the last cookie out of the cookie jar, which was our cookie because they'd already had their share of the cookies, right? Not like that, but like I'm going to kill him and dig a hole in the ground and put him his lifeless body in it. That was the kind of killing Esau was going to do to, to Jacob. Rebecca hears about it and she's like, Jacob, he's serious. He is for real and you're my favorite. But by the way, if you get in a fight with him, it's not going to work out well, honey. So you need to go away. You just need to go away and get out of here and be safe. And Jacob at this time was an adult. He had, he had, he had kids of his own and family. So he took his family. He left. He fled. And he, he stayed gone for years. And then God began working on him. And he just got this feeling inside like, I got to go back. I got to go back. Because he was the one that God was going to use to continue telling the story of the people of God, continue helping the world know the one true God. Even though he had all these kinds of character defects, he was one God was going to use. But that couldn't happen outside of his family. And God starts working on him and saying, you got to go back. Some of you have been there. You've had relationships that got so strained for all kinds of convoluted reasons. Some might have had to do it with you. Some might have just had to do with them. Uh, Sometimes you might have left because you were mad. Sometimes it might be because you felt unsafe. But at some point in life, you get that feeling, I got to go back. I got to make things right. I can't just let this go. That's that's where Jacob was. And he, he decides to go back. And he knows there's a significant chance Esau will kill him. And as, as he goes back, the night before he's going to see Esau, he meets an angel and they get in a wrestling match. And I want to read that part to you. We're going to pick up with uh, Genesis chapter 32, beginning at verse 24. Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. 
Then he said, let me go for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask me my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. So what what happens, he encounters this angel, and he wrestles the angel, and he says, I won't let go, I won't stop wrestling until you bless me. Imagine his exhaustion, but he says, I know you have a blessing. Somehow he knew that this was God he was wrestling with. And even his his exhaustion, he said, I'm going to hang on because I'm not going to let go until you bless me. Friends, hope is found by those who keep wrestling with God until they receive a blessing. When you start wrestling with God, you might not get your blessing right away. It might take a day, it might take a week, it might take a month, it might take a year, it might take a decade, but that blessing is coming and you've got to wrestle it out. When you see injustice in the world and some people treated one way and some people treated another, you've got to wrestle that out with God. When you see uh, yourself becoming who you don't want to be, you've got to wrestle that out with God. Uh, When you lose, and we're all going to lose, And you turn on the TV and you look at your phone and every picture and every story is about winners. But guess what? We all lose. No one gets out of this life alive, which means you're going to lose the people closest to you or they're going to lose you. And you can't take your toys with you when you go, which means you're going to lose everything you have. We all lose. And you're going to have to reckon out and wrestle out that loss with with God. You're going to have to wrestle out when people betray you because Jesus was betrayed in this life. So don't think you're going to get out of this life without somebody at some time betraying you. You're going to have to wrestle out your doubt. There are going to be times Uh, when things aren't working right and you're not feeling right and you're going to have to wrestle out your depression and you're going to have to wrestle out your anxiety and when you come to those moments wrestle and do not let go until you are blessed and it's going to be hard it's going to be hard in those moments to keep wrestling I've been there Uh, I've been there uh, trying to figure how in the world to do a funeral for a five-year-old and give comfort to the family because I'm so angry with God that this kid's gone and he shouldn't be. I've I've been there. I've been there and and I've heard people describe how life's treating them and I can't understand why life keeps on kicking them when they're down and I can't understand why they, they never get a break. I've been there when I've looked at the news on the TV and I think how in the world how, how is this actually the, the world we're, we're, we're living in? I, I've been there uh, when I've thought, uh, God, you know, I want to believe in you, but you just don't feel close. You don't feel real right now, God. You've got to keep wrestling until you are blessed in those moments. You were created for that, but do not think it will be easy. Don't think that. Uh, if you watch wrestlers, there's a reason why in a wrestling match the rounds are short. Because it's exhausting. Because they are putting everything they possibly have into those moments and it is so intense they are functioning at the level of oxygen debt where their muscles are using more oxygen than their lungs can take in. If you've ever been in that, you know what that that feels like. Sometimes it's going to be hard to keep wrestling, but you've got to keep wrestling 
in those moments because here's the deal. What you'll find out if you hang in there until you receive the blessing is that our hope is not that we will make it through life without being broken. Our hope is that there's a God who can heal us. And there's a, our hope is that, that when that God puts us back together after we've been broken, that we'll be stronger than we were before we were broken because we'll no longer go through life with our self-esteem and our identity caught up in us not being broken. Our self-esteem and our identity and our trust and our faith will now be in that no matter how life breaks us, God's got us and God's going to put us back together. So life can bring whatever it wants because we have someone who can heal us. And that we're going to find that out because we're going to discover that our hope is not in being perfect. It's in being forgiven. That our hope is not being wise enough. It's in being guided by the Holy Spirit. Our hope is not that we can undo the harm that we've done to others. It's that God will redeem it. It's that God will heal it. And it's that God will redeem us from consequences uh, that we could never escape. It's not that we will be able to achieve enough in this life to earn eternal life, but that salvation will be given. It's not that we will escape suffering, but that God will wipe away every tear. And it's not that we will earn blessings, but that we will be blessed by God's unconditional love. That's, that, that's, that's where our hope is found but you don't find that hope until you wrestle it out with God. And if you will choose to wrestle with God, what you will find is you cannot wrestle with God and emerge unchanged. It will change you. Jacob walked with a limp after his wrestling match with God. His hip was out of socket, but he was stronger than he was before, before he went through it. When you go through life and life breaks you and you wrestle it with God, you may have scars, but you'll be stronger than before because of of them this this is this is how it will work in in the church in christianity uh, we we call this being born again uh, when you wrestle with God and you emerge changed, when you realize that you need to give your life to Christ and you need His power to lead you and you need uh, to depend upon His forgiveness, we, we, that's, that, that's what we call that, that, that being changed by our wrestling with God. Now, there's a beautiful painting of Jacob wrestling with the angel. It was painted by Rembrandt, and I think you're going to be able to, to see it on the, the screen and what I love about this painting is that there's so much to it. For, for you art buffs out there, I want you to know that this was towards the end of Rembrandt's life and he was experimenting with new, new brush strokes and types of, of painting and, and colors. Uh, the, the man who plays Jacob in this wrestling match is actually his, one of his sons who he used as a model. Uh, but what's more important to notice is that the angel, the angel isn't quite trying to hurt Jacob, the angel, even though the angel is strong, I mean, look at the strength, look at the size of the angel's hand, right? The, the, the angel's two hands are so big. Uh, the angel is so strong, but it's more of an embrace uh, than a violent hold. And you need to know that Rembrandt painted this just after the death of one of his other sons and his wife. And in essence, it's a painting of his wrestling with God with this deep loss and God embracing him. This is, this is what God does when we wrestle with God. Uh, I spoke to 
uh, father recently at our church, and he was telling me about an experience of wrestling with, with one of his sons that reminded me of what, what Rembrandt was painting about. He said his son was in elementary school and was having a, a real tough year, uh, w- was in a class where uh, the teacher just uh, didn't quite know what to do with rambunctious young boys, and every day was a struggle. And every day he tried his very best to do what was asked of him. And every day he came home thinking that it wasn't enough and there was no way he could be successful in, in, in that environment. And he, he kind of was, was ready to, to, to give up. And as you can imagine, if, if you'd have a child go through a, a tough school year and everybody goes through tough school years, but you know, you, you begin to see often they'll, they'll act it out in other ways, right? And he began to, to act it out in some, some other ways in, in his behavior. So the family thought, hey, we, we, need, to, we need to focus on, on building him up. And they said, we're going to make a special effort to, to be at church more. They made the, an effort and they said, we're going to start coming on Wednesday nights. And there's a Wednesday night meal and there's a Wednesday night program for the kids. And he, he needs that supportive environment where he's just cared for and, and loved and, and built up. And they started doing this. Well, one Wednesday night they came. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but did you know, like, kids in church, like, are still mischievous? Like, they don't check their mischief at the door when when they come into church. And some of the kids that night were getting into a little mischief. And an extremely well-meaning volunteer saw something going on and thought it was him when it was someone else and called him out in front of the whole class and nobody else. And he lost it. He was already on the edge, and that just pushed him over. And the parents were driving home, and the dad said, I was watching one of my kids come apart at the seams in the car. I I was watching him just be torn apart, and I had no idea what to do. You know, we, we thought, oh, we'd go to church tonight and it'll all be better. And we went to church and it, it all got worse. And he said, I, I, I knew my role. He said, um, my role is that in situations like this, I'm the backup. My wife is the child psychologist. I was going to give her first shot at this. And on the way home, she tried every trick she knew, everyone she knew, and none of them worked. And he said, we got in the garage and she gave me that look that in wrestling terms, if you were having a tag team match, she was tapping out. She, she was ready for the partner to, to come into the ring. Uh, he described it. I love this. He said, I, I knew what she was saying with those eyes. She was saying, you think you got something? Have at it, Hoss. Have at it. And he, he, he had no, he said, I, 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 didn't, I didn't know. I, I just didn't know. So he said, I, I thought about what's, what's one thing we like to do. So he looked at his son, and instead of yelling or fussing, he just said, you want to wrestle? And his son was confused, and his son said, only if you will wrestle me your hardest. Only if you will go your hardest. That said, okay. So they went into the playroom where there's carpet. And he said for 20 minutes, his son would go back about 10 feet and get a 10-foot running start and run into him as hard as he could. And when his son would, he would catch his son and violently throw him. But right before he hit the ground, he'd lay him down softly. So 20 minutes. 
Lay them down softly. Lay them down softly. Lay them down softly. And after about 20 minutes, he laid his son down and he just held him. He just held him. He wouldn't let him go. He said every muscle in his son's body tensed and fought, but he just wouldn't let him go. And when his son realized he could not get away, he just started to sob. He quit yelling and he just started sobbing. And the father began by saying, I love you. I'm proud of you. And then uh, he began whispering in his son's ear corny jokes. He said he was just using the ammunition he had in the holster. And his son started to laugh. And the, laugh, the, the sobs became laughter. And then there were smiles. And he said, he said this, this didn't fix the overall problems. But for that night, for the first time in three months, I put a happy child to bed. And I said, what, what do you think went on inside your son during that wrestling match? He said, three things. There were three things he needed to know because he was up against something bigger than he was. He needed to know in this family, there's an alpha dog. I'm not it. And the alpha dog will take care of me. There's an alpha dog. I'm not it. The alpha dog will take care of me. That's what we need to know in our spiritual lives. There's a God. I'm not it. That God will take care of me. That God's strong enough to deal with all my anger and all my pain and all my fury and all my frustration and all my sadness and all my sorrow and all my depression and all my anxiety. That God's big enough to deal with all my losses and all my victories and all my confusion and all my ambiguity and all my doubt and all my faith. That God's big enough and that God's going to take care of me. That's what we all need to know. When you look at this painting one, one more time, you need to know that when you are wrestling with God, God is embracing you. And when we refuse to wrestle with God, we are refusing God's embrace. Whatever it is, wrestle it out with God until you receive the blessing. Let's pray together. Gracious God, there are so many reasons we want to turn away from you because we don't want to have to deal with who we've become or with how life works. But there are no good ones, Lord. So today, we want to turn back towards you. God, give us the strength to wrestle with you until we receive your blessing. And when we have received your blessing, teach us to do nothing more than nothing nothing less than to say thank you and to use it to bless others. In your name we pray, the holy name of your Son. And we all said together, Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. 
Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.